third Sabbath in the Pentecost count. It's been 21 days since that Sabbath during the Days of Unleavened Bread, so we're keeping track of it and counting 50 as it says to do. Well, as you well know, I've been spending quite a bit of time uh, the last months, really, in Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and uh, I'm going to interrupt that series a little bit today rather than going to 2 Corinthians where we left off last week, because I think there's some things that we should be considering right now. God does say in several places that if a watchman or someone who is watching sees something coming, uh, that they better warn. If they don't warn, then the blood is on their head. And I take that seriously. I try to watch the news and what's going on. And, and uh, sometimes you don't get it from the mainstream media. Uh, sometimes, hardly ever do you really know what's going on from what they have to say because it's all predicated on lies and trying to preserve the status quo until the new world order really takes over. You know, this new world order thing is not uh, a conspiracy theory whatsoever. God makes it very clear in Daniel and Revelation <clears throat> that there will be a world ruling empire. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's simply prophecy from God about what will happen here at the end time. He says it will be ruling the whole earth, and it will be made of iron and miry clay, and the times of the Gentiles will last 42 months from the time that they really take over. Now, they're going to do some things before that occurs, but... Uh, this is something that's been in the Bible all these thousands of years, and yet people are trying to say, oh, that's not going to happen. Uh, there's no conspiracy to rule the earth. There have always been conspiracies to rule the earth. Have you ever heard of Alexander the Great, or Napoleon, or Stalin, or, you know, Khrushchev? Have we never heard of these people who have been trying to take over and rule the world? Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> You know, just to name a few right off the top of my head, and there are many, many others uh, who have done the same thing. Should we expect anything different today than what has occurred in the past? Human nature hasn't changed. So the things that people did uh, back then to rule the world, they've been doing ever since. I could go further back. Nimrod, you know, all through history there have been figures who have been trying to do that, and there are indeed those who are doing it today. And they've even announced it. David Rockefeller has, uh, George Bush Sr. did, and so on, and told us exactly what they have in mind, that they plan on killing 90% of the population of the earth. And lo and behold, we find in Scripture that God says over 90% of the population of the earth will be killed and Daniel indicates only 100 million out of 7 billion will be left to start the millennium. So there is terrible destruction coming. Now, much of that comes first on Israel. Because the Gentiles are going to array themselves against Israel because we have disobeyed God. And the Israelite nations are the ones that are under pressure right now. 
any white Anglo-Saxon nation uh, that pretends to even take the name of Christ is under great pressure now. And the Islamic world is invading uh, Europe and America very, 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 very rapidly. And uh, we're, we're electing them now into our U.S. representatives in Congress, one after another. It's getting and as governors and as uh, state representatives and so on. Well, we've known, and Herbert Armstrong preached for many, many years, Ezekiel 5, that our nation, and he did not understand, he thought we were Manasseh, I firmly believe now we're Ephraim instead. Uh, the older brother uh, would not have the same power that the younger brother would come to have and the same blessings. And Britain does not have the blessings that we in America have had. Uh, this is the most blessed nation, the North America at least, uh, on the face of the earth and has been all along. So we've had those blessings. There's no doubt about that. And God says that Israel, wherever you think it is, will suffer uh, great destruction. A third will die of famine and pestilence, I'm quoting from Ezekiel 5. A third will die of war, and a third will be taken into captivity. Uh, of those, some will be preserved alive, but many of them will die. I heard Herbert Armstrong preaching that back when I was ten years old. Uh, he saw that in the scriptures and knew uh, the identity, at least, of who Israel was, even though he may have gotten the tribes mixed up some. But he was preaching that back then, and now we're on the cusp of it. And I do believe that probably this began uh, on the basis of Amos 8. And I want to go there and review this for a moment. <clears throat> Here Amos was shown a basket of summer fruit by God. And God said to Amos, what do you see? Well, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Eternal to me, The end has come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, says the Eternal. And there shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. The shock and the awe that is coming upon our people, as I just quoted from Ezekiel 5, will come. Now, what happened? Let's go on down and see this. People are beginning, we'll start worrying about uh, how are we going to do our business? Because things are getting worse. When will a new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath, that we can set forth wheat and so on, and that we may buy the poor for silver, uh, take advantage of people, and the needy for a pair of shoes and so on. <coughs> Verse 7 then, the eternal is sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely it will never, I will never forget any of their works. God remembers and sees the Sodom and Gomorrah that we have become, and killing our babies by the millions like the Gentiles who pass their babies through the fire and that type of thing. He says, shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwells therein, and it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. 
Now the flood of Egypt was a terrible thing which destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. And he says that that's going to come upon Israel. The, the same type of destruction, not necessarily uh, a Red Sea, but a flood of destruction is coming. And it says, It shall come to pass in that day, says the eternal God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day, and turn your feasts into mourning, and your songs into lamentation, and so on. Now, we had that phenomenon occur uh, almost two years ago now, when there was a, an eclipse that went all the way across the country and basically in the middle of the day at noon. And accompanying that then was the terrible hurricane in Houston and awful fires in the wine region in the Central Valley of California. And I believe that that was the beginning of these things. Now, in other prophecies, God talks about how the day of the Lord will come and then it will get darker and darker until there is no light. But I believe what happened there in 2017 in the summer, it was in the summer of 2017, that that uh, eclipse occurred and the destruction in a smaller way. And yet, if you're living in Houston, it wasn't small. If you were in the fires in California, it didn't appear small. To the rest of us not being there, it might have appeared somewhat small compared to the apocalyptic things that God says are going to happen. But I think that that was a shot across the bow that God sent those fires and that hurricane on purpose at that time to let us know that this is coming and it's going to get worse and worse. And since that time, it has gotten worse. If you go on down to verse 11, it says, Behold, the days will come that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the eternal. And they'll wander from sea to sea and so on to seek the word and shall not find it. So we still have some groups from worldwide who are making an effort to put the word out there, and they do have the basis of the gospel of God that Herbert Armstrong preached, uh, and they're still keeping the Sabbath and holy days, so they're still part of the church of God. But these events are going to get so bad that they're going to be shut down, and people will start looking then for finding the word of God, and they won't find it in the north to the east, and from sea to sea. I think they'll find it in the southwest. That's where God started the work through Herbert Armstrong, really, was in Pasadena in the southwest. But that's the only place that it will be available, is where God raises it up near Zion, uh, and in the desert, in the wilderness, as he tells us all, eventually to go to the wilderness, and there will be uh, delivered Micah 4 goes through that in detail among other places so God says no more it's going to happen and I believe that it has been happening and it's getting worse and worse and I see a concurrence of a lot of things right now that I think we need to keep our eyes on do I know that this is coming down in the next two weeks or a month or three months I don't know that 
But I know that there are a lot of things that are occurring that seem to be fitting the scriptures very carefully, and there seems to be a barrage of them here lately, if you've been paying attention to the news. If you haven't been, then uh, open your ears, because I'm going to show some scriptures that have to do with what appears to be going on right now, that God gave us a warning shot, and we did not heed, and it's going to get worse and worse as time goes on. If you've noticed here just the last week, ten days, especially, uh, we've had sanctions against Iran now for quite some time, cutting back on their capacity to do business because of their nuclear program. But now Trump is threatening to shut off all economic uh, trade with Iran. They will not be able to sell their oil. And their economy is dependent upon their oil sales. Now this has made Europe mad at us. It has made Iran mad at us. And it's made Russia and China upset with us. Uh, because America is becoming that entity that the whole world is learning to hate. And God said that Israel would be hated of all nations. So, what happens? We just, in the last three days, have sent an aircraft carrier uh, to the Middle East, the Abraham Lincoln. We've sent uh, B-52 Stratofortress bombers capable of delivering nuclear bombs to Qatar, which is a neighbor of Iran. And Iran is threatening to shut down the Strait of Hormuz that the oil goes through because they said if the United States won't let us sell oil, nobody's going to sell oil. So we'll shut down that passageway and nobody can send their oil out. This thing is ratcheting up very, very rapidly. And we've seen false calls and then backing off. Is this another false call, or will this one continue? Let's go to Daniel 8. I've mentioned this before, but I don't want to just give you some news without some background for it and some understanding of why uh, things may be going the way it looks like they're going right now. Uh Remember, Daniel is an end-time book, and all these things, even the ones that were fulfilled back then, have an end-time application. And he said that not only will it happen again, but it's sealed up until the end so that nobody can understand it until they see what's going on at the end time, and then it will become obvious what is going on. So people have tried to assign Daniel all in the past, Nebuchadnezzar and all of that stuff, and it's all historical. Well, okay, I got no quarrel with that. These things did happen historically. But, God says, okay, I'm writing a book of prophecy, I'm going to seal it until the end, and all of these things can only be understood at the end. History, anybody can understand, if they look at it, but they can't understand the prophecies. So let's see if we can put this in the context of what's going on right now. Uh, Daniel saw what was going to happen. 
And uh, verse 3, I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high. So this was a powerful ram. Big horns. But one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. So he had two sizes of horns. And I saw the ram pushing westward and uh, and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. <coughs> but he did according to his will, and he became great. So this is a ram representing a nation that becomes so great that no one can stand against it. Uh, here in this end time, if you were to ask what is the most powerful nation in the world that no one can stand against it, who would you nominate? Yemen maybe or South Africa? No, America is acknowledged as having uh, priority and power beyond any other nation. When the Russian Empire uh, went down, there were no, no longer two superpowers but one. So here at the end time, we are the premier nation in the world, the most powerful by far of any. Now that's quickly changing, but it is not going to be one nation that takes over America. Psalm 83 gives you a list of many, many nations who are going to form a coalition against us and destroy us. Now we'll see that as we go on here. So this one pushes west, it pushes north, it pushes south. It doesn't push necessarily eastward in one sense, because east of us is what? Europe. Our allies, our friends, our brothers, as fellow Israelites. But west from here, you push against China and Japan and Asia. Uh, you push north, uh, because those nations are taking over in the Arctic. And we are even pushing against Canada in some ways right now. So, let's consider what it says here, uh, after this one had become great. I was considering, verse 5, Behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had the two horns. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my story mixed up here a little bit. Uh, the ram has to be uh, the Islamic world, basically. I'm sorry, I, I was, didn't have my head here right quite. It pushes west, and it pushes north and south. And the Islamic world is pushing in those directions right now. But this goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground. Uh, it flew. It, didn't, it wasn't uh, armed soldiers on the ground, but it flew. It had a notable, notable horn between his eyes, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran into him in the fury of his power. Now, let, let me rephrase that a bit. Which nation, or which body of peoples, is now becoming prominent. The U.S., I believe, is this goat who has the great power. 
But the ram pushing in these directions almost has to be the Islamic world. Uh, Daniel later talks about the king of the north and the king of the south fighting back and forth with each other with great power. And America's gone by then. We don't even exist as a nation anymore by that time. But where is the Islamic world going and been going in the last, especially the last five years? They've been moving into Europe, pushing into there, and now uh, rape and murder is getting where it's just the norm. And nobody can stop it. Nobody seems to want to stop it. If you're, if you're Islamic, it's okay. Everything's fine. They moved into the United States by the hundreds of thousands. Obama was flying them in and settling them all over our country. Uh, Minnesota is a hot spot for them. So is Wisconsin, among other places. And they're taking over the governments. I just saw an article yesterday where the Islamic world now has patrol cars in New York that are painted like uh, the New York Police Department, except they say something like Islamic Protection, uh, not Brigade, whatever the word was. And the, New York, the city of New York is allowing them to patrol the streets. Where are the police? <laughs> got Islam patrolling the streets of New York City today. There was a, an Islamic and a militant one that opened the House of Representatives of the United States government with prayer yesterday. This is happening more and more and more. And we have people from the Middle East, Muslims coming across the Mexican border daily by the thousands. So they're moving in. And nobody can stop it. It just... Nobody wants to stop it, it seems. The Democrats are pushing it, pushing for it. And in some places in this country now, they're already adopting Sharia law in the United States against the U.S. Constitution and so on and so forth. So they have been pushing in these directions, and they're becoming so strong, nobody can do anything about it. And anyway... Here comes this goat that had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I'd seen standing before the river, and ran into him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close to the ram, and he was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, and broke his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Now, this ram had been very, very powerful, had a smaller horn and a bigger horn, right? And nobody could do anything about it, but the goat broke his horns. Verse 8, therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for, for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now, he explains a little further down what he's talking about. Uh, verse 19, he said, Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. So we're talking about the time of the end here. The ram which you saw having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. 
And the rough goat is the king of Grisha, and the great horn that is between his eyes is uh, the first king. Now, the Medes apparently were Iraq, and they claimed to be of the Medes. We broke their horn. We basically removed Iraq as a power in the Middle East, uh, even to this day. Now, a more powerful nation exists there, which is Iran, and they claim to be the Persians. They say we uh, are the, uh, the children of the Persians all the way back. So what do we see today? We see a goat with a powerful, notable horn coming from the west, not touching the ground by air, by sea and by air, but not with ground troops. And even by the sea, it's by air. Because those aircraft carriers carry what? Airplanes. So even though they either fly there or are floated there, they still take to the air and touch not the ground. And this thing is ratcheting up between the United States and Iran very, very rapidly. And surely our leaders know that Iran is... Uh, an ally of Russia and of China, and through trade and so on, uh, as well with Europe. And Iran is very much an enemy of the nation of Israel today. Jared Kushner, the brother-in-law or son-in-law of uh, Trump, is a very, very high Zionist, or all for the country of Israel, and wants to do everything he can to protect it from Iran or anybody else. So the political stuff is there behind the scenes. Now, the United States, or the, the West, from terms of, uh, of the Middle East and the Mediterranean, in history was known as, the nations of the West were known as Greece. Go to Washington, D.C. today. And what do you see if you walk around the city? You see Greek and Roman architecture. You see Greek and Roman influence everywhere you go in Washington, D.C. So the modern-day Babylon and the modern-day Greece is America. And we're the one with the power that has destroyed or broken the one horn of the Medes. And it appears we're about to destroy the horn of the Persians or Iran. And once that is done, what do the allies of Iran do? They form a coalition or a consortium of nations against America and come and break our horn. And that appears to be what is lining up right at this moment as we speak. Now, it may take a month, it may take a year, I don't know. We'll wait and see. But it certainly is lining up that way. What Trump is doing right now is putting total sanctions on Iran that would stop them from shipping any oil. Now, what's that going to do to their economy if he actually enforces that? It will utterly destroy their economy. Do you think they're going to sit still and say, okay, well, we just won't do business anymore. It's okay. Or will they fight back at some point, and then we go in and destroy them, as we have said we would do? Our own government... Just recently, 
said we will do that. It seems to be shaking, shaping up just as this says. If you go back here, it talks about how uh, our horn will be broken, verse 8. And for it, or out of it, came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of them came a little horn. And he is the one who will take away the daily sacrifice from the temple and cast the truth to the ground. And what the globalists have in mind is to divide this nation into four pieces. One piece to be ruled by China, one by Russia. They have it all figured out. The, the Latins would have the southwest United States and so on. And you can, I can show you maps where they've divided it up. That's the way they plan to divide America. Other maps show ten pieces. But here it talks about four who will be rulers, and one of them then is the one, I think, in the southwest who will defile the temple of God and set up the abomination in the temple. Uh, whether you look upon the church of God as the temple of God, or whether you combine that with a physical temple as well, I think both will occur. Anyway, that seems to be shaping up. I'll not take more time on it. But there we are. Now, along with this, Zephaniah 1, which we're very familiar with, talks about a financial collapse that is going to occur within the nations of Israel. God says he's going to remove all the false gods at the beginning of the chapter. And then he says, it will come to pass in verse 10, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and a howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. And he says, for all the inhabitants of Maktesh, which was a uh, financial center in ancient Israel and Jerusalem, for all the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off goes down to talk about the day of the Lord being near in verse 14. Well, this, this is the end time. Uh, a day of the trumpet, verse 16. Uh, verse 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make it even, even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. So, here we have in Zephaniah a prediction of a financial crash within the nation or nations of Israel. And he says, you undesirables in chapter 2, gather yourselves together and maybe you'll be hid from God's anger if you will repent and turn to me. So there's opportunity a little bit ahead of time before this occurs for it to happen. Let's tie that in with Revelation 18 because it says the same thing. Which nation on earth today has made the other nations rich? Chapter 18 it says that this great whore of chapter 17, the mother of harlots, and what does God call Israel or in Ezekiel 16? He says, you look like Gentiles to me, and he says, you are a great whore. He says that of all Israel and Judah. There in Ezekiel 16 describes her, 
says what she does and how she runs to the Assyrian and creates whoredoms with him. So God, in Ezekiel 16, names his people Israel a great whore. Here in Revelation 17, verse 5, upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Christ. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now where was the end time work of God begun and finished, at least up to this point, was in America. This is the nation God chose to start his work. And it spread to Europe and to other places, mainly where Europeans are, and then around the world to a certain degree. Where will God's people be martyred? Right here. Revelation 12 says that God will send Satan down, and he will go after the church. She will go to a place of safety, and then Satan will come after the remnant of her seed. Well, where's the majority of the church? United States. Canada probably second, Great Britain third, Australia, and so on. So that's where Satan will go to destroy what's left of the church, the remnant of her seed that are not protected. And he says only one-tenth will be protected. The rest will go into the tribulation and become martyrs. Where? Well, where they are. Right here. The U.S. and Canada contains most of them. Probably 90% of the church or more is right here in this nation in Canada. Mostly in this nation. And that's the ones that Satan will come after. So, who is the leader of Babylon today? not Qatar, it's not France, we're the leader of the world in finances and everything else. And we are a great whore that has committed fornication with the kings of the earth, as it says here. Now it says that the, the, the beast and the false prophet, these that are rising up, will hate the whore at the end of the chapter, verse 16, and make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. Go back to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and see what God has pronounced against the nations of Israel here at the end. They will be destroyed. That's who it says that the beast and the false prophet will destroy is the nations of Israel. It concurs completely with the other prophecies that we've been hearing all our lives. Chapter 18. After these things I saw another angel, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now it says she falls twice. I submit to you that the United States is the current leader of Babylon. Washington and New York are the ones. And it will fall, just as all the prophecies say it will fall. Then a new Babylon, a new leader of Babylon arises, the beast, the false prophet, to rule the world. 
And it also will fall when Christ returns and destroys it. Seven last plagues and so on. So Babylon falls twice in a short period of time. The current leader of Babylon and then the beast power will fall shortly thereafter. Verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Which nation has made the world rich? People think that this great whore is the Catholic Church. I defy you to show any nation the Catholic Church has made rich. <coughs> the Catholic Church has raped some nations over the hundreds and thousands of years, but they haven't made any nations rich. They are not a great trading uh, consortium today. They still collect money from their adherents around the world, but they don't make anybody rich except themselves. Who does? Well, we made Japan rich, didn't we? Buying Toyotas and Hondas and so on, and everything that Japan could produce. First they produced cheap stuff, and then they got where they produced good stuff that was better than our stuff. And we made them rich. Then we made Taiwan rich, and we made Hong Kong rich, and we have made uh, China rich now. You know, ten years ago, when you go to a national park in the United States, you saw uh, over 50% of the people in a national park in this country were Japanese, all taking pictures of each other. Now you see very few Chinese, I mean Japanese, because the Japanese, after having been made rich, are now in economic stress. And now when you go to a national park, you see about 60% Chinese and maybe 20% Indians. Because we've made China rich by buying her goods. And we've made India rich by hiring them all as radio operators, I mean uh, phone operators. And on and on it goes. We're the ones that are making the world rich by buying their oil. Right now we are getting in trouble because our trade deficit with China right now is like this. We are buying over $500 billion a year worth of goods from China, and we are only selling them about $100 billion worth of goods. Now, if you have a little lemonade stand on the corner, and you go down and buy ingredients to make a glass of lemonade, and it costs you $5 to make that lemonade, and you sell it for a dollar a glass... How long are you going to be in business? Now, that's what we're doing with China. We're sending them $5. I mean, we're uh, buying $5 of goods from them for every $1 that we buy from them. We're going, we're going, we're bankrupt. You can't do that. Now, Trump is saying... We're going to put a 25% tariff on everything you send over here. Not just part of it, but now all of it. You think the Chinese are going to like that? Not much. I read an article, I guess today or yesterday, 
Someone said that that would cause each American family to have to spend about $2,000 more at Walmart every year to buy as much as they're buying today. How would your budget handle an extra 2000 in expenditures for buying the same amount of stuff right now? I don't think it'll go that far because we are in a trade war with China, and this will escalate because they have enjoyed getting rich off America. Okay? They've enjoyed that. And now when we say we're not going to be taken advantage of anymore, they don't like it at all. And they're going to fight back. Let's go on down and see this. He says, The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of the things that she has. Uh, where do we get them? We buy them from overseas. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Now, if that's the beast and the false prophet in the Catholic Church, how are God's people going to come out of the Catholic Church? We're not in it. Never have been in it, except some who were converted out of it. So if you say that this Babylon is the Catholic Church that's going to be destroyed, how are we going to come out of it? No, it's the people of God that were called into the church at the end time that are to come out of Babylon. And we're living in it. Most of the church is living in it. We're the nation that has made the world rich. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. Now, let's see how she describes herself. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. Highest standard of living on earth we have had. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she says in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Most Americans think we got the power, nobody can touch us, nothing to worry about, let's get on with our business. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication with her will bewail her. They'll stand far off, verse 10, saying, Alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is your judgment come. And who's going to weep? Verse 11, the merchants of the earth, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. Japanese will be upset. Chinese will be upset. Uh, Saudi Arabia will be upset, not buying their oil. All the stuff that we have bought and given them money for is going to stop. Verse 17, all of this riches, and it says about the mer merchants again in verse 15, the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand far off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. That can't be the Catholic Church. Hasn't made anybody rich, and they're not going to wail over her. They're going to wail over us because we've made them rich, and now we no longer exist, and they've got no place to sell their stuff. What city is like this great city? 
the shipmasters and everyone are going to sit out and stand far off and cast dust on their heads and cry and weep and wail. It says in verse 20, Rejoice over her, you heaven and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Where is the church? The church is going to be persecuted. And God is going to bring vengeance on those who persecute the church. Who is being persecuted now? If you mention Christ, or that you are a Christian, you are being belittled and criticized and persecuted in schools and in business. And this is taking great legs and has been over the last year or two or three. And now, uh, you mention Christian and you're in trouble. You mentioned Muslim or Islam, and you get promoted. So what's going on right here in this country. It says, you'll be thrown down. Your merchants, into verse 23, were the great men of the earth, for by your sorceries, or pharmacies, were all nations deceived. The whole world has been subject to America because of the almighty petrodollar. And it is now being undermined, and we are going to be destroyed as the leader of Babylon. And all these merchants are going to scream and cry because we've been destroyed and they can't sell to us anymore. So that's coming. I said a queen... Notice Hosea 12.8 in relationship to that scripture. There's nothing wrong with me. Here he's talking about uh, Israel in the end time. Ah, can't get that out of the way. Uh, in Hosea 10. Okay. I think it's... T what verse did I want here? Oh, oh it's, it's, it's 12 I wanted. Here it's talking about Ephraim. Go up to the top of the chapter. Ephraim is feeds on wind, follows after the east wind, increases lies and desolation. They make a covenant with the Assyrians and so on. And uh says on down here that we're to keep mercy and judgment and so on. But notice what Ephraim said in verse 8. Yet I am become rich. I have found me out substance. In all my labors they shall find none iniquity in me that were sin. I said a queen. There's nothing wrong with me. Everything's fine with America. Make America great again. Whatever. America is not going to be great again until after this is all over and the millennium starts and God begins to truly convert Israel and make her a leader of the world again. But in the meantime, she says exactly in chapter 12, verse 8 of, of Hosea, what she says of herself in Revelation 18. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm, I'm not a sinful nation. I'm a Christian nation. That's been our attitude. And now we're becoming an Islamic nation. Notice Hosea while we're here, chapter 7. 
and verse 7. Speaking of Ephraim again, this nation. They are all hot as an oven. They have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. Now we're going to follow up on that. Our leaders are going to fall. I'll give you some scriptures. There is none among them that calls to me. They call somewhere else, but not to God. Ephraim, he has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knows it not. Yes, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knows it not. What we have today is an open border between us and Mexico. They're not coming in by the hundreds now. They're coming in by the tens and hundreds of thousands and being bussed and shipped all over the country. And we don't even know what this is doing to us. We are aging rapidly. And with all these Gentile nations coming in, we are a cake not turned. What happens to a cake if you put it in the oven or some bread maybe that you're frying, or whatever. If you don't turn it off, it gets what? Brown and black on the bottom. If you turn it over, it cooks evenly. But he says, it's a mixture of people that are coming in that makes this wrong color show up. It's not white nations that are coming in. It's Muslims and Mexicans and Nicaraguans and Guatemalans and so on by the hundreds of thousands, and they are now trying to partition off California, Nevada, uh, part of Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, as the nation of Adslan, saying that it belonged to them originally, and therefore they want it back. One of the four divisions that we read about there in Daniel 8. And California is trying to break off from the United States. And a lot of it is Islamic. The governor of California is promoting the Muslim religion. And on and on it goes as these people come in by the hundreds of thousands and we make little noises about stopping it or building a wall or whatever and nothing's being done about it. You know, Trump may have had some ideas of trying to make America great again. But God says it won't happen. And I believe the man is very, very compromised because he is not doing anything he said he would do. A lot of Americans hoped that maybe he could make America great again. But put on a Make America Great hat and see what happens to you. Uh, someone just yesterday at a baseball or a football or a basketball stadium, somewhere anyway, uh, put up a Make America Great Again flag, and it got ripped down immediately. I think that was in a baseball park just yesterday. This is going on. So here we are, a cake not turned. We're being overrun by Gentiles. And yesterday, a rabid Muslim gave the prayer to open up the House of Representatives in our own government. It's getting worse, day by day by day. Now, it said here that their kings are all fallen. Let's follow that a little, a little bit. Jeremiah 50. 
I know I'm just hitting some highlights here, but let's understand in the light of these scriptures what we're observing day by day in our country. Uh, Jeremiah 50, uh, verse 18. Well, let's go, let's start in 17. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land as I have punished the king of Assyria. Now, once you establish that this country is the present leader of Babylon... He says he's going to do to the king of Babylon as he did to the king of Assyria. What did he do to the king of Assyria in history? Killed him and his army. That's what he did. So let's go on then to uh, Isaiah. Well, let's, while we're still here, let's look at another one. Uh, Isaiah 51 says the same thing to us here in verse 45 that he does in Revelation 18. My people, get you out of the midst of her, and deliver you every man his soul from the fierce anger of the eternal. And lest heart your heart faint, and you fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land, a rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a rumor, and violence in the land, ruler against ruler." Right now in America, we have Congress people, leaders of this nation, calling for the assassination of Trump, calling for the assassination of Congress people, and some of them even attacked the other party at a baseball game and almost killed a U.S. senator who was a Republican. And this is going on and on. Uh, but he says here there will be violence in the land, ruler against ruler. So we're talking about civil war. And it's about to break out in America today, where it will be ruler against ruler, killing each other. Violence in the land, killing, will happen. Uh, Hosea 10, that's, that's why, where I thought I was going. Hosea 10, uh, and here I want verse 15. <clears throat> well, he's talking about uh, Ephraim again here in verse 14. There, therefore shall a tumult arise among your people. Violence in the land, ruler against ruler, and now a tumult among the people. They will be up at arms against each other. And all your fortresses shall be spoiled, uh, doesn't it say, will be destroyed there in Revelation 18 in an hour. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children, so shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. I believe Trump will probably die in office a violent death. When you have violence in the land and a tumult of the people, and your king is utterly cut off in a morning. Go to Isaiah 7. Uh, this is clearly talking about... Uh, the nations of Israel in the end, and specifically of this nation. God says He's going to send Christ as a sign. Virgin shall conceive and call His name Emmanuel in verse 14 of chapter 7. <clears throat> but before this child, that Christ, Christ is coming, He says in Zechariah 2, 3, and 4, 
to be with his people as they do the end time work that was not finished by Herbert Armstrong, but it'll be finished by the two witnesses and 10% of the church. Many scriptures on that. Anyway, verse 16, For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you abhorred shall be forsaken of both her kings. Forsaken? Will they be killed? President, vice president? Very possible. There are quite a few scriptures that indicate such a thing. Micah 4 says, Your king is dead, your counselor is perished. I've shown that to be speaking of Herbert Armstrong in the church. But all of these prophecies uh, are dual and have a latter fulfillment in the nation. So Israel's king will perish and be cut off, devoured. I believe we will see that. And the political shenanigans that are going right now are leading to civil war and violence in our land. It's inevitable. There are too many pressures, too many directions. What about weather and crops? Well, we've had the fires in the Napa Valley starting in 2017. This winter, we have had terrible weather up in the Midwest that is continuing. There was uh, 10 inches of snow in Minnesota, uh, Duluth, Minnesota, yesterday or the day before. The most snow they've ever had this time of year ever. So all of those floods that have been occurring through several different states in the Middle West have delayed planting, and it's getting too late to plant crops. And the ones that were planted last fall for spring wheat, many of them have been washed out. So with this flooding continuing and the snow continuing, how do you get in your fields to plant? God says there will be drought and famine, and a third of our people will die of starvation and the pestilence or disease that comes with it. Is that starting? Right now they're having terrible floods in the southeast. How do the people in the southeast plant their crops and harvest them? This thing may be right here upon us. So it says it's coming. Now I'm looking at all these things that seem to be converging even as we speak. I mean, there's just trouble everywhere you look, and it's getting worse and worse. Did God send a shot over the bow in the summer of 2017 with that eclipse as a harbinger or a sign of the darkness that is to come? Now, that only was darkened over from the northwest to the southeast about noon in the summer when that eclipse occurred. It's not the first eclipse that's ever occurred. But along with it came the signs from God of a mighty hurricane and of terrible fires that raged all that summer and into the fall. And things have been getting worse and worse ever since. God says no more delay. This thing's coming. He says when the 430 years that I gave you to make up for the 430 years you spent in Egypt are done, you will be destroyed. There in Ezekiel 5, 6, and 7. And he says there, it is come, it is come, it is near. I think that ended in the summer, in July of 2017, when after the colony of Roanoke was established 430 years before, God says, after that 430 is up, 
then the trouble is very, very near. And now it looks like it's on the doorstep. Things started getting much worse in 2017. They're getting worse now. And we are at the stage of economic collapse uh, that has got to happen fairly soon because we are so deeply in debt. And now they're undermining the petrodollar, Iran, Russia, China, India are all making deals for oil by bypassing the dollar. And when it gets bypassed, we're done. So this thing is upon us, even at the door. I see these things happening. I put these scriptures together with it. And I can only think that this thing is getting very, very near, is already here. It just gets worse and worse until all the wheels come off. And then we are taken captive, and a third of us are going to die by famine and pestilence, and a third by the sword, and a third will go into captivity, and most of them will die. And then maybe God's people Israel will be ready to listen to Christ when he comes. So be aware, be alert, be watching. <coughs> I'm not going to tell you that this is coming next week or the week after. But it appears to be very, very close. And as conditions worsen and worsen and worsen, we're already in it. It's not something that's coming. We're already in it. It says the wall will lean out and lean out and lean out there. I think it's Isaiah 29. <coughs> and then it will crash. It will fall all at once. And then you have one hour. It says one day first <coughs> in Revelation 18. A day is as a year in prophecy. And then it goes down and says three times in an hour. Now, if a day is as a year, there's 24 hours in a day, and 48 weeks is almost a year. So, a day might represent about two weeks. <coughs> Once it actually starts, it'll crash very, very rapidly. Not just in a year, but even in, a, in an hour. A very, very short period of time prophetically. So, be warned, be alert, be vigilant, be watching. Get as close to God as you can possibly get, because it is only through God's protection that any of us will be accounted worthy and survive what is coming. It is upon us. Be prepared, be ready, be vigilant. Watch the leaves coming on the trees and know that the time is near because Christ told us that's what we're to do.